Player King, Episode 8, Sound and Fury. Reeling from the aftermath of a forced resignation, Tom finds a new opportunity at Chapman University and forms Shakespeare Orange County with Michael and four other Grove Shakespeare actors. With everything that had gone on, uh, I, I mean, I just opened this show that was a wonder that everybody was praising, that was getting great critical success. And I was asked to resign or be fired. Was this a complete blindsiding? It was a complete blindsiding. The night before, I thought a friend called me up who had, was a director who basically said, Tom, the board is going to ask for your resignation tomorrow, and they're asking me to take over the artistic directorship, and I'm doing it to save the theater. Well, it hit like a, you know, it was the most pain I have ever felt. I think because I had given birth to this and here it was being taken away from me. And my ego was, well, you think you can do this without me? Go ahead and try. And so my ego got in the way. Now I found out later, had I made them fire me, I could have sued them and probably taken the theater back. It had happened elsewhere, but I didn't know that. And I didn't have a lawyer and my ego was so bruised at the moment that I basically said, if you want me to leave, I'll leave. And I gave them my resignation, but I said to them, you know, I'm going to found another Shakespeare festival. And they basically said, go ahead. And because I didn't believe any of them really committed to the concept and the idea, they were all about prestige, you know, and ironically, a couple of months later in a wild, based on my work, they got a $250,000 grant that kept the doors open. Cause I didn't think the doors, one of the reasons I resigned was I didn't think they were going to be able to keep the doors open. So it was an out for me, but I was devastated. Um, and Thank God I had the position at Chapman. Now, they used the position at Chapman as kind of an excuse that I had another job and that I wouldn't be. But I had my first mortgage payment. I had a, a child. My wife, Anne, was not working at the time. S my salary was cut in half, and we were living on, and we started to live on basically on credit cards. And uh, it would take years, years and years for us to recover from it. Uh, and to this day, it's still it's painful. Of course, and it's not not just the theater, but also that that trajectorial dream that starts really in college for you, based on these conversations we've had. I mean, to build, to build, and build and build this. Um, I have to say, there's, I mean, there's Shakespearean elements to this story. You know, Lear, <laughs> the metaphor of Lear. Well, what happens out of this is they release a press release saying uh, Braddock resigns, hits front page of the Times and the Register. And then did they contact you? They must have. Well, they contacted me and I, and I basically said, yeah, I resigned. And they asked me to elaborate on that and I didn't. Well, long story short. Again, the Times and the Register are battling each other for coverage. So this is getting, this is getting, mm -hmm. Every day, this is for six months, it was in the paper every day. <laughs> M 
Anne, my wife, is contacted by uh, a writer, one of the theater writer at the Orange County section of the Times. And she basically said, he didn't resign. He was pushed. And that's when the theoretical shit hit the fan. And they looked very, it, it, it blew up. There was a, an editorial done in the Times about this, about uh, how bad this was for the theater and how bad it was, how bad it looked. And of course, I then immediately after staring at my navel for a couple of weeks, decide that I am going to start a festival. I contact you and I contact for the actors of the company and said, will you go with me as foundational members of a new company? Part of the reason is that I needed you as an ally. I mean, to put a theater company on a space on the campus and not have faculty participation would be idiocy on my part. Let me jump in real quickly just to say, um, I got my actor's equity card, my union card, at The Grove in a production of The Miser. Was that in the late 80s? That was the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. playing La Flesh. And my, um, I have an eclectic background as an actor, bouncing all over the place. Um, I was really surprised when you offered that to me. And then I quickly realized, well, yeah, we're colleagues at Chapman. And if it's going to be happening at Chapman, and I'm the acting teacher at Chapman, and I recognize also that I could bring a kind of energy from that perspective to the project. And I'm bringing this up because, again, it ties into these themes I keep coming back to. I wasn't a Shakespearean actor. I'd done Benedict and Much Ado in grad school, to great success, actually. But I... um that was real learning for me. I was in the trenches and swimming hard uh, to try to very quickly catch up with people like Carl Rajardo, Kamala Tate, you know, who'd been at ACT, um, uh, people who'd been working for you for several, several years. So um, it's interesting, even as you start that, some of those themes come back because you gave me a chance as well as you needed me, but you also gave me a chance and some time to learn. And there were difficult steps along the way for me. You know, there were some reviews that basically said, this guy's a crummy actor. And I remember sitting opposite you and you looking at me and saying, you're going to learn on the job. You know, this, again, these themes that come back, you nurturing people. And uh, I will say to you now on this microphone, it meant the world to me and it changed my life. Um, so even as you are at the bottom, you're starting a new enterprise, you're still practicing principles of high quality that give people a chance to become better at what they do. And I find that to be astounding and just lovely. Don't have your theater. You do have a job at Chapman. One of the things you, you just said was that you looked at your navel for a while, probably in shock, uh, dealing with, with that. And then several weeks later, you make a decision to create a company? Yeah. And um, originally I was going to call it Shakespeare of the Pacific because I wanted it to have a regional identity. Um, but the state wouldn't give me that name. And so the second choice was Shakespeare Orange County. Just to get back to the conflict for a moment, um, 
the actors signed a letter in protest that was printed on uh, in Dramalog. And I think 41 members of the company signed it. Some of the designers quit. The TD quit. Um, and they were, you know, they were replaced by people to finish out that particular season. And so they finished that season. As I said, they got, I mean, she threw a, you know, a, a, a Hail Mary sort of thing at a foundation in Orange County and she got a $250,000 grant. And then they started spending money <laughs> kind of in a very reckless way. They started buying things like jackets for the company and expensive jackets, expensive jackets. And, and they, they started embroidered things, you know, uh, putting their new logo on it and all of that. So they were trying to establish a, a branding of sorts. Right. And, and, and to break away from what had, what had been. And then they went on a search for an artistic director. I, of course, say I'm going to found Shakespeare Orange County at Chapman University. I get the university basically to say, okay, and allow me to do that. I mean, it was a great place to be at that time. I don't think it could happen now, but at that time, um, it was very entrepreneurial. Jim Doty was the president of the university. Chapman was beginning its expansion into being a university from right, a college. From a college, right. And and there was nothing going on in the summers, and I could use the Waltmar Theater, which was a 250-seat indoor space, and I could put it in an equity company, which I did, into a small professional theater contract, an SPT contract. I could use students from the university to be in supporting roles. I could still bring in MFA actors from the local area. But now the mission changes for me. The mission at the Grove was to become a regional theater uh, and to be, you know, to be the second largest. And it was the second largest at that time professional theater in Orange County, second only to South Coast Repertory. So that's where I was headed. And, and with Shakespeare as kind of driving as my muse. Now I've got a, you, I, I, I'm a professor, assistant professor, and I've got students and uh, you and I, uh, were at that time were members of the communications department as theater specialists. We then eventually form the theater department and start creating a curriculum based around a classical training program so that students would have a stepping stone with Shakespeare Orange County to step into the profession as they left the university. That was, that be, then became so the educational aspect of and training aspect of it became part of the mission, um, as well as trying to create a theater that would be dedicated to Shakespeare. It was a fortuitous time because Chapman was evolving into university status and was needed to legitimize areas and and. I, I agree with you. I'm not sure it would be happening now that because the growth allowing us to add classes, to build a program, to even consider a BFA degree, which we eventually put in, um, and then to have the Shakespeare company on campus gave us these parallel piles of energy to pull from. It was very exciting. Yep, yeah, and and because 
the institution itself, Chapman College, Chapman, the beginning of Chapman University, had not really been formed yet. Right. And so there was a lot of latitude for entrepreneurial. Yeah. So you could do a lot of things without running a great into a great deal of interference and people telling you no every time you turned and around. And the president was an economist who was very interested in entrepreneurial energies. So right, right. Perfect, so it worked perfectly. Yeah. And your primary connection was James Doty, the president? At, initially, at yes, yeah. And, the former and years. Uh, you know, originally I rented the audit, the, the theater uh, and we ended up in the red that first year uh, because of that and because I was trying to pay myself something because I was dying financially. Yeah. How many equity members? How many equity contracts? We had five. And a stage manager. And a stage manager. So there was six. six. Which is quite a, that's very, to, very, a lot. And I had nothing. When we started, I had nothing. I had, what I got was a 15,000 person mailing list. So mm. that was what I walked away from. Mm. I, I mean, I literally had to turn in my keys. I was allowed to take stuff from my desk under supervision. And then I was basically booted out. How did you get the mailing list? It was given to me by one of the technicians. Mm. Uh, it wasn't given to me by the, no. the association. Yeah. And uh, it was in a printed out you know, in a printed out form and I, it had floppy disks. So I could, I could actually use the old dot make matrix printer and, and start doing mailings. Mm -hmm. Of course I had no money. We, I sent out from the list, I sent out a, a missive to the subscribers that I knew of to about 1500 of them asking if anybody would like to be on the board of a new Shakespeare festival. Fortunately, seven people responded to it and they all chipped in a thousand dollars. And so I, I had a thousand dollars from each one of those persons to start with. And then we started a very aggressive fundraising campaign. So not only did a lot of actors and designers and theater professionals go with you, but future board members did uh, as well. People yeah. who were active at the old Grove Shakespeare. Right. And some who had become inactive. Honey. Was that healing at all for you, or were you even able to to feel it because you were <sighs> you were paddling so fast? I was I was in pain, and I was I was paddling so fast just to keep my head above water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're also, profession. You, you're a professor, right? And I'm also teaching classes with children. Right? Yeah. So of course the papers pick up. Braddock's going to start, and they gave me front page coverage. They gave me. You know, there were full feature articles on the color photos on the front page of me announcing uh, on in the Los Angeles Times and the OC Register. It's a real cause celeb. I mean, it, it's really good news, right? For me, I was getting all the publicity I wanted. Yeah, uh, I and, and that I could handle. And they were still going on what the what the Grove was kind of messing up with. So they went on a- So they were looking at the two of you as an ongoing story. Right. Yeah. yeah. And playing each against the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. The Grove started to, uh, decided they were going to look for a, an artistic director. Now, the person who took over for me, Jules Aaron, was the intermediate or temporary artistic director. And so he brought in a lot of people. He had contacts from LA because he directed all over the place. So Jules Aaron- 
as an out gay person comes in, takes over the company. But um, again, this is in the early 90s. Uh, and uh, where we are now as a culture, we were nowhere near there. Uh, and we had just gone time. through the AIDS right. epidemic. In a very conservative part of the country, a very conservative part right. of Southern California, historically conservative. Right. So he ran into some cultural troubles with yeah. the board. This was never brought up. Okay. This is my perception. This is my perception, and I take total ownership of it. But I was not surprised when he wasn't selected to be the artistic mm -hmm. director. They brought in a family guy, actually a very nice guy, uh, from uh, a Shakespeare festival that he had founded in New York. McDowell was his name, Stuart McDowell. He came in at the end of the one season that Jules put together. In other words, Jules finished my season because I had done half of it. I'd done the first two productions. There were four more productions to do. Jules did those got, and got people to do those. I think Our Town was in it. Uh, there was another shrew uh, that was in it. There was, uh, I, I don't know what else was in the jam. Oh, and there was Child's Christmas in Wales. And, uh, and there was a tomfoolery also, the second one that uh, uh, Cyrus Parker Jeanette directed i had directed it the year before she came in and she had choreographed and then she choreographed and directed the cyrus who ends up working as a as the dance professor at chapman and then becomes dean at california state right years later yeah um so all of this is is in everything is in kind of in motion uh i'm doing fundraisers like getting squiggles from Whoopi Goldberg, Patrick Stewart, and a number of other people. Like and doodles? Doodles, and auctioning them off to make money. Dan got an Irish band together, and we had a- Dan you know, Cartmel. Yeah, Dan Cartmel. One of the actors in the company. One of the founding actors in, in Shakespeare the Orange County. Yeah, and, and we had a fundraising night with uh, uh, Irish songs and, and a concert in, in the Waltmar. We did a walkathon. Uh, walk for will where people pledged for walking and so i'm trying to get enough money to get an equity bond and and start the the, the season off and so uh this is 91 uh i filed uh the of the seven people on the board six of them are lawyers one of them volunteers to do the uh file the non-profit uh, incorporation papers. And, uh, that was Stan Smolin. And, uh, so we get nonprofit status that fall. So we're official, we're a legal entity under Shakespeare, Orange County, uh, former Grove trustee, uh, Richard by donates t-shirts and all of the printing. He pays for all of the printing. Uh, so I can send these things out to get people uh, our brochures and uh, introducing the company and things like that. So all of that was uh, donated. And we ended up getting 1,200 subscribers that first year uh, from The Grove, which which had about 2,500, 2,600 subscribers. So I got, about, I got about half of the subscribers to at least come and see the first Did that feel like a healthy number to you? 
it wasn't what I was hoping for more, but it was enough to start. To start, I decided to 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 do a play that we had not done before, uh, and one that I had gone up and seen Patrick Stewart work with some actors on, uh, so that I I I understood it. I understood the play from Winter's Tale, The Winter's Tale, and uh, asked John Jones to direct it. Who uh, who did a lot of work with us, uh, both at the Grove and then even more so with Shakespeare Orange County. Opening night in 1992, we had designers. We didn't have a this lot. Is the of, opening out of the entire company. This is the entire company. Everybody's in it. We're opening up. And I'll, I'll never forget that we opened the show. The drape, the main drape in the Waltmar Theater opened up. And the show started, the house lights went down, and the work lights were left on. And there was an opening tableau, I believe, at the yes. be be beginning of the show. And the company looked, you know, it had never happened before. It was just one of those opening night things, one of those weird things where you're supposed to have this look and somebody had left the works on. And so... Work lights for people that don't know are, are just standard lightings that you put up so that you don't bump into things during the day. Right. And they flood the stage. Yeah, so the effect that was being created at the very beginning was destroyed. Um, and it was just, one, it was just one of those things that happened. Yeah. And um, I don't, I, th I, I, it, I think it kind of like poured water. The show itself I thought was quite solid, but what happened was that night with the critics there, it didn't get great reviews and uh, that hurt the box office. And of course I panicked and, and everybody was watching because it's the opening of your news. Exactly. New and so the, the critics that came kind of poo pooed the effort saying, you know, good college try, but <clears throat> it's not at the level that it was at. And so I was in rehearsal for Hamlet. Now, one of the things that I, when I decided to do Hamlet and I decided to direct Hamlet and I got Wayne Alexander, if you remember, I'd talked about in 84 with that Olympic arts mm -hmm. fest that right. I knew that he was a great Hamlet, mm -hmm. but I knew that, and I, there were two things that I had developed in that outdoor space. And one of them, which I haven't talked about yet, was that if you played profile on stage, you lost your audience. So if you're only talking to your fellow actors, if the characters are, are relating to each other like they would in a modern realism play. Right. You lost them. One, and, and it, I realized by working in that amphitheater that the more connection to the audience, the more direct, you know, that the actors brought the audience on stage with them and talked to them the more the play worked. So and I don't care looking what, out to the audience and literally talking eye to eye at the audience. And that, de and that developed a major part of my, um, my point of view in directing Shakespeare, which was direct address. That the direct address that's indicated or the asides that are indicated in the script are a lot less than what Shakespeare, and if you think about it, that the globe itself was like 310 degrees with audience all around it. And those actors had to get that audience involved. The globe in England, yes. Yeah, the original Shakespeare's 
theater, that if they didn't do that, they were going to lose their audience. And then, and then they would get, you know, tomatoes and things yeah. and feces thrown at Because the common people were in the cheap seats, which right. is literally feet away from the actors standing and, on the floor. And you had to entertain them. Yeah. And they had to be involved. So working in that outdoor amphitheater created that sense for me. So there were two things that I asked of Wayne. One of them is, and I convinced him, although he was resistant at the beginning, is you must love Ophelia. We must feel that love for her. And two, you must talk to the audience. You must come out on those soliloquies and engage them. And he did both of those things, and he was brilliant. And the Times recognized it. I think Don Shirley wrote the review. Front page, great shot of uh, Wayne with a ghost. Um, and it, the box office just exploded. A Player King is produced by Roland By, Sound design, editing, and engineering by William Georges. Directed, curated, and narrated by Elisa Braddock. The music was originally created for productions at Shakespeare Orange County. Uh-huh.